Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, I do the review, stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to, except today's something slightly different. Joining me today is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And today we're doing a special episode, but I didn't want to wait too long, you know. Until the next big round number. Normally we do it round numbers, 300, 350, 400, 450, 500, like... Mm-hmm. But I only we only do like 35 episodes a year or something. So now if I wait for this special episode until we get to 550, I'm like, that's that'll be like sometime next year. And the yeah, stuff that happens. I want to talk about is in my head right now. OK, let's and, let's get it out the way. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's get to it. Because someone actually said, Rajesh, uh, listener Rajesh sent me an email saying, here's an idea for the next. He says, idea for science fiction book review podcast, next special episode 550 or so. Hmm. And uh, he sent me an idea about tropes, which I'm not going to go into now. Didn't appeal to me that much, but it kind of set me my brain going, oh, what could be the next, what could be the next special episode? Okay. And Except I, that it's not for 50, it is... Yeah, it's 520. We're oh, up to okay. episode 520. But again... It's a fun round number as well. It's not even around, it's not even slightly round number. Once you get to 500, the next round number is either 750 or 1,000. Okay. <laughs> you That's, know, that, that round numbers start doubling yeah. at that point. Okay. Um, either way. Uh, so uh, what was I saying? Yeah. So here's the here's the special episode, and I want to do it now uh, because I think this could be maybe a longer running idea, and also this can be like it's a standalone episode. This is not about one book. Yeah. But I think this is actually a really good way in for people to get a lot of value out mm-hmm. of the science fiction book review podcast without having to mine that value from individual episodes. Okay. So what I've been doing recently for reasons I it doesn't even matter the reasons I've been listening going back to listen to previous episodes of the science fiction book review podcast of us talking of about books us talking about books hmm. you know what really enjoying it nice uh, it, it, it's funny how the uh, the audio quality changes and our interactions <laughs> changes there was a period where we were like talking over each other too much and you were trying to always like like get like uh, anticipate what I was going to say and jumping in and saying it before me but I was actually saying anyway like there's we've got be- good like we've gone through waves of good quality audio and worse quality audio in different locations and stuff like that so it's quite interesting but most of the episodes that i've been going back and listen to are from uh, the past uh, 100 and so many episodes 400 to 500 is where i've been listening to some extra episodes okay uh partly because there's the i updated the archive feed because the way that right. podcast players work it's sometimes difficult for you know the the wordpress doesn't work to have 500 episodes in a single list it slows down the website breaks it you need to do caching and that kind of stuff but i really like the idea of having an archive feed where mm-hmm. it's like 500 episodes in this case it was only up to episode 350 but now there's one rss feed which lists all the episodes from one to 500 okay so if you're like i want to just a big list of episodes in my uh, uh, podcast player that i can just tap on something yeah and so it started you know i was testing that out and going back and listening to previous episodes and so i listened to uh, over the past what month i guess yeah um since my last work trip because that's kind of where it started because there was that book the um all the birds in the sky yes no, not that one. The Vanished then, Birds. I was just about to it, say, Simon Jimenez, yeah. The Vanished Birds. And I was like, I don't remember what this previous novel was. And then I listened to it. And I was like, oh, that novel, like that. So, you know, right. there's some reasons. Anyway, so what I realized, though, is in a lot of these episodes, there'll be one core idea. Yeah. Or one theme or one revelation, or in this case, one what I'd like to call a lesson that I learn okay. while reading a book. And also, hopefully, I'm trying to convey that to um, 
convey that to listeners yeah. so they can learn the same les- lesson from the book or from the review or from the reading process yes or from a concept or whatever uh, and I was like oh that's really great however which is great and this is a reason why you should go back and listen to old episodes because I always want that with like one core part of a review where yeah. people go ah I hadn't thought about literature in that way oh I hadn't thought about this character in that way or you know I hadn't thought about you know all these different things which is sort of like a, a like a, a graspable lesson that you can learn from a review yeah uh, and hopefully be entertaining and informational or, you know, something like that. Within uh, generally an hour. Yeah, yeah. And that's, <laughs> it's in an hour. But often that'll come near the end of an episode. Yeah. And often it'll be like the first time I've ever like said it out loud or the first time like I've like I've made a note of it. Oh, I want to get to that. It's like in my head. Mm. But the act of podcasting, and this is why I like podcasting, is the thing that allows me to clarify what I'm saying in my brain. Yes. But because I'm doing that, I often say it once and then you ask me a question, then I say it again. And then I say it a third time clarifying. And then I get to the end of the episode of me listening. And I was like, oh, I remember a much more important thing that I thought about that, that obviously that clarified for me. But then that never made it into the episode in my head. So it's this this weird thing. So this episode is lessons learned. And I've made a list of going back through like 30 episodes. I'm not going to list them all off here, but you can see this list here. There's like 30-ish episodes. That you went back to listen to of us I might have missed some of these because I'm just using the tick marks in the Overcast app to say, you've played this one. So I'm like, oh, I I hope that I've played it. Um, So I'm I'm not going to say what they are now, but I'm going to go through some lessons and... um, and maybe you can guess which books I'm talking about from oh. the lesson. Maybe we'll do it that way. If not, I'll just say what the book is. Uh, yes. I realize I'm quite warm. I'm going to take off my jumper. Say something. Um, I'm saying something. Okay. Uh, that's always really nice that you just keep me hanging like that. This lesson learned when I say to you, Lena, say something while I get a drink or something. You yeah. Lena's like, Ooh. Yeah, because... I, it's fun. Yeah. Lesson number one. Okay. Goodreads star rating. Oh, yes. Okay. And this is the lesson learned. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details because this is the whole point that I'm just giving the the nugget of information. Goodreads star ratings. 3.5 star on good ratings means one star. On Goodreads rating. On Goodreads rating, 3.5 star really means a one star book. 4.5 stars on average on Goodreads from the whole reading experience means five stars. There isn't any that anything below 3.5 might as well not exist. Anything above 4.5 also doesn't exist. And now okay. you're talking about the the community, like the, the, the community, all ratings of yeah, all the, the people. The average ratings, right? Of, not yours. No, not, not my ratings. Not your friends. I'm saying, average ratings. Okay. Good reads. Three point five stars is one star. Four point five stars is five star. The only thing that goes above four point five stars, yeah, is um, later books in a long running epic <laughs> series. Yeah. So. Uh, notes that I made here. Uh, yeah, there's sort of like the Stormlight Archive, the, you know, the Wave Kings, Brandon, Brandon Sanderson's big series. Yes. Where the people who are keeping up. That's uh, the fans. Uh, yeah, they've opted in. Uh, maybe a bit of Vorkosigan Saga, some of those later books, and they like really highly rated. Mm. Also, Salvation, I noticed that as well from listening back to one of the podcasts. I said, oh, the only book higher rated than this is like the final Salvation book, which to be honest, is a very good book. Yeah. And, you know, later Brandon Sanderson's, which to be honest, are very good books, but they're not, they're not five star books. You yes. Know. But uh, so there you go. Lesson number one. Good lesson. Okay. Lesson number two. And uh, a book can have me on the edge of giving five stars. Yes. But it fails. There's like three ways that this can fail. Right. And I don't give it three stars. Sorry, I don't give it five stars. I only knock it down to like four stars or whatever. 
um, is that th- th- the three things that will push me over the edge to give me a five to give a five star book, even if there's nothing wrong with it, you know, even if there's nothing wrong with the rest of the book. If it's missing one of these three things, I can't give it five stars. Okay. Even well, if I've got no complaints about it. You right. Know, I can have no complaints about a book and it's I still only give it four stars because it doesn't have one of these three things. An emotional impact, like it like I I don't I'm not ended up in tears. It doesn't give me an intellectual challenge or just enjoyment, like a fantastic, you know, fun, you know, fun yes. stuff. Yes. Like okay. so I can have zero complaints about a book. But if it, if it's missing all of those three things, it will never get five stars, even if I've got no complaints. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I understand. I um, mean, this. I've, I mean, to be honest, five stars is an outstanding achievement. Yeah. It's an outstanding thing that it also you need to have it. So yeah. it, not all books can just reach it. Yeah, no, but it's not, not only that, but <clears throat> other books will get four and a half stars because they give me this stuff and they're really w- well written, but I've got complaints about them. So yeah. this is a book. Yeah. I have no complaints about a book. Yeah. But... It still doesn't get five stars because it's it's not it's not giving me one of these three things. Right. And the book that I learned this lesson is with with Piranesi, where okay. I was like, everything's good about this book, and loads of other people were having an emotional connection to it, or really enjoyed the plot, or really enjoyed the mystery. And I was like, it wasn't mysterious for me enough. The plot, I, it, it, it you know, it obviously didn't grab me enough. And the character journey, I wasn't crying at the end, you know. And oh, I have a completely opposite. Uh, memory of this of Piranesi yes I thought that you really had this connection and you had this emotional reaction no I didn't and, and I was annoyed and the point is that the lesson learned about this is I was annoyed one of the reasons that I oh. didn't wanted to give it a lower rating was because I was annoyed that everybody else was getting a great emotional reaction to it and I wasn't getting a great emotional reaction to it Oh, but I even thought, though I think it was one of the best books that I read that year I thought you went back to listen to it again oh, and then had that no 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 on the second oh. and I remember this the second time I read <laughs> through i realized that there was something clever something uh, uh was it Susanna clark yeah she was doing something s- cleverer than i thought it, it, on an intellectual level so it did actually right. satisfy me a bit more intellectually the second time round. okay but it didn't challenge me it, it didn't challenge me intellectually enough to give it five stars it just it just i was like, like oh right oh i get it i see what's going on here i missed that the first time ah. but it but it was more like oh i missed that the first time but i'm still not challenged enough even though i understand what's going on. it was something to do with like i thought ah oh, uh, someone actually that's a lesson later so i'm not going to go into it. i realized there was a, that i i made a note of that for the second because right. we did two podcasts about piranesi yes yes because i do remember and yeah. i do remember my approach to it uh, and yeah. uh, i have a totally different memory of we'll get how... on to that we'll get on to that's another lesson that i learned right lesson number 3 Reading the classics. Yeah. Okay. This is something that came up with Piranesi and other books as well. I should go back. Should you go back and read the Narnia books so you can have a better mm-hmm. understanding okay. and appreciation and enjoyment of Piranesi? Yes. And the other one is Children of Time. Should you go back and read Deepness in the Sky first? Yeah. Now, we did. It was, a you know, one of these natural experiments or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, d- we did go- try and go back and read Deepness in the Sky. We yeah. didn't go back and read Narnia. You know, no, even though these books I are, feel like they're informed by this. So, and the reason is, and this is the lesson learned, which again, I don't need to talk all the way through how we got to this lesson. This is just to, to give over the lessons learned, is that what is the golden age of science fiction? 
your answer is oh the, when you're like uh, 15 yeah, or 12 years old yeah got the same. people always say oh it's the 1950s the 1960s no it's 12 years old what, what were you, you reading as per, yeah. what, what you personally yeah. were reading when you were let's say 12 to 15 you know that yeah. kind of it. okay let's do it 15 years old what were you reading when you were 15 years old because 12 is a bit young 15 is you, you can start you, you're reading properly adult books you know not just not just young person adult fiction you're reading like normal yeah. fiction you're choosing also in a different way yeah like i just like this is the age that i went to libraries yeah, yeah. And you, like, you start you go, choosing what yes. you're, your your reading taste develops when you're 15 years old yeah so if you go back and read these classic books mm. when you're not 15 years old anymore mm-hmm. when it's when you're you know 38 mm-hmm. or 36 or 50 or whatever whatever age we were when i was listening yeah. when we listen when i listened back to these previous podcasts yeah i would have been 40 at this time mm. and you'd have been 35 or whatever mm-hmm. um you, you, the reason why they're or the reason why they can be so informative is because they ingrain themselves into your point of view of what science fiction is and help develop your taste and your knowledge and your experience of what fantasy or science fiction is. Yeah. I grew up reading, you know, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and the other Narnia books. When I read Piranesi, I'm getting a different experience than you. It's impossible for you to get that same experience. Yes. Because you haven't read it then. But now if you go back and read it, it's also impossible for you to get that same experience because you didn't read the book when you were 15 or a teenager or when you're 20. Exactly. You're reading it when you're 40 or 35 or 40. It's impossible for you to get the benefit of going back and reading the classics compared to the people who read them at the same time. The same counts for a sprinkle of time, sprinkle in time, sprinkle of... A wrinkle in time. A wrinkle in time. (laughs) Yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah. But just for the Americans. Well, that is also a children's book and I was reading as an adult for the first time. Yes, that that counts, and and also when you when we read back the um, the science fiction classics um, from like the seventies and sixties and seventies, mm. if you read those, that's the, that's the that's the next start of this lesson. Yes, it's a two part lesson. It's a two part. Le- oh, okay. as I'm saying, rereading the classics, you'll never get out of it what you did because when I was fifteen, yeah. I wasn't reading just books that came out in 1995. I yeah. was also reading books that came out in 1960 and 1970 yes. or something like that. So the only way to get the benefit of that is to read them when you're 15. So you could say, oh, I've got a 15-year-old son or daughter. Yeah. I will give them the same books that I was reading when I was 15 (laughs) so they can develop the same, you know, they can develop the same appreciation of those, you know, those same things. So so I'm like, you know, you think this, you see this thing with uh, adult parents who are fans of something they're like yeah. oh I'm gonna you know I'm gonna shape my child's childhood so I'm gonna show them you know Star Wars episode you know yeah. New Hope here yeah. and they're all followed <laughs> there and then I'm gonna wait three years and then I'm gonna show them this next you know people trying to shape but here's the revelation and here's the big lesson learned is that you can't do that anymore no. because if you give your 50, 12 year old son or daughter a book which you enjoyed when you were 12 or 15 year old mm-hmm. that was written in the 1960s mm-hmm. It's probably inappropriate now because yeah. it'll be full of what did I say? You know, some of them are really dodgy. There's they're sexist, they're like uh, rapey, they're racist, otherwise problematic, like super problematic. Mm-hmm. And you see this with deepness in the sky. I was yeah. like, you know, it, it, it wasn't totally problematic. It was mostly boring. Yeah. Um, but there's even that kind of stuff. That, the lesson that I learned in there was sort of like, oh, I want. You know, I want to be rooting for a main character who didn't punch the rape victim, yes. and it's such a weird thing to say that. And I was, and when I listened back to it, I was like, "Oh yeah, the main character who we're meant to be ra- like rooting for is the person who punches the rape victim." And it's just sort of like, 
like, oh, this book's from this book's from two thousand yeah. or two thousand and one. Yeah, I think the the thing is here. Yeah, there's a difference of you reading something that's twenty years old. Yeah, in comparison to reading something that's forty years old. Right. Because when you when it's twenty years old, yeah. by the time you read it, you are either not old enough to understand yeah. all the depth of a book. Yeah. Um, um, and, and and also society hasn't changed that much since yeah. then. It's but like then, more jarring. Yeah. But then 40 years, mm. you have literally a generation in between yeah. that has... But I'm just saying, like, Have Spaceship Will Travel, which is the other book that I wanted to mention here, which, yeah. again, I didn't go back and listen to the episodes about that. Yeah. But we mentioned it, you know, talking about this stuff. It's sort of like, yeah. It's re- it would be really uncomfortable giving that to my 12-year-old daughter because in that book, there's a 12-year-old go- girl who mm. at the end of the book, the parents decide that the 12-year-old girl should get together with the, like, the 12-year-old daughter of one person should be the future partner of the 18-year-old guy of somebody else. You're like, oh, yeah, in the future, you two can get together and you'll have very intelligent children. And I'm like, whoa, where did that suddenly come from at the end of the book? This was yeah. a really good book until the creepy grooming part at the end, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heinlein, grrr. These are juvenile books and even there you get, it gets weird. Anyway, yeah. that's it. That's that's lesson number three. Let's move on. Okay. Not all of the lessons are going to be this big. Right. I'm just saying it's impossible that the reading of the classics is impossible. It doesn't do the same job no. unless you read them young enough. Yes. But now a lot of these classics are inappropriate for people who are should, the age that you need to read them for them to have an impact on you yeah. now. It's now too young to expose these people to the stuff like the problematic stuff, yes. even from books that are only 20 years yeah. old. And, and and that counts to to many things as well. Like if 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 I haven't read a book uh, from the UK when I was this age, mm. I will never get this, yeah. the yeah. same experience with this either. Let's move on. Lesson number, that was lesson number three. Lesson, oh no, lesson. Yeah. Now we are four. Oh yeah, lesson number three. And okay. Lesson number three was two parts. The, I thought I did, we just did the second part. Here's the second part. So this is kind of lesson 3.5. Oh, okay. When, and this is because uh, I realize now, look at my notes, it's related to going back and reading the classics. When the only thing the old work has is the original concept, it over explains it and then there's nothing left. So right. this is the idea by replay by Ken Grimwood, who, where somebody goes back and relives their life over and over again. Yeah. Because they're like, what would it be like if someone lives their life over and over again? And you're like, right, okay, we've done that. And now it has to be like, you know, Groundhog Day has to be a romantic comedy and, yeah. or it has to be like a, you know, I'm just using movie versions of this, you know, yeah. or... Has 15 to... Lives of Harry August. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a book version of it. Yeah. And then you're sort of like, well, it's not just about living life over. There's also this conspiracy stuff with other people who do that and passing messages backwards and forwards through the day. And you're like, oh, this is great. This is interesting stuff. That becomes like a battle through time mm. rather than just somebody living their life over and over again. Yeah. Because they're not, it's not just one person. Multiple people can do it. And also there's, you know, in like the, the you know, the Live, Die, Repeat movie, The mm. Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. it's repeating but there's an alien invasion war movie going on yeah. at the same time. Or, you know, you have to have something add, added on top of that. Otherwise, it's just boring. And um, so the earliest versions of a lot of these stories, and this came up as well with All Judgment Fled, where um, that was the book with the blanket aliens. Yeah. And I was sort of like, yeah, you go and you know, an alien craft comes into the solar system and you send an expedition out and they explore an alien craft. It's like the classic big dumb object. And the first time I read that, I was like, oh, it's a bit derivative of, you know, Rendezvous with Rama. Yeah. And it turns out Rendezvous with Rama was later than that and it was doing something extra. And yeah. then you get Blindsight, which is doing something extra. And these yes. other ones that add a layer on top. Yeah. And when you go back and read it, it's sort of like, yeah, you go and explore an alien spacecraft. And you're like, and? 
And you're like, no, that's it. You fly out and you explain. He's like, no, no, but what's the next step? It's like, no, there isn't a next step. This is good enough. Yeah. It's like, well, when that was the only thing, it was good enough. So a lot of the time I go back and read these earlier books. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's not a lot here. It's no. just the idea. Yeah. Because later on, later books that you then since yeah. then read have built on top of this. Yes. And, and I experience it. Yeah. So yeah. if you go back and read the classics, a lot of those are sort of like, well, yeah, I can see why it was influential, but it's been done much better by much better writers since then. Yes. Lesson number four. If you get 50% of the way through a book and feel nothing and have zero curiosity about what happens to any of the characters next, stop reading. Yeah. And it's fine. It's okay to stop reading. Very short lesson. It's okay to stop reading. Yeah. People say, oh, I want to get to at least 100 pages. I want to get at least 50% of the way through the book. I am noping out of many books and there's many books that i've mentioned this came up quite a few times there's many books where i said oh i started reading this book and i got 20 percent in the way through and it's just a throwaway comment at the start of a, another podcast and i was like oh yeah i don't remember anything about that book because i only got 20 percent of the way through and abandoned it and it's not in my goodreads and i didn't do a podcast about it yeah and i'm like i'm so glad i didn't spend any more time with yeah. that book what can happen though if you don't make a note of that yeah or if you don't mark it somewhere yeah you then later on 10 years later, think like somebody recommends this book and you say, yeah, why didn't I read this? And you start reading it and then yeah. you have the same experience again. Yeah. Uh, the book that I met that made, came very clear to me is The Wayfarers 2, Closed and Common, Common Orbit. Right. And I was like, and the third book of that, I learned my lesson because I got like 10% of the way through and I'm like, the main drama is somebody spilling water. And I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And also some books are just not for yeah. you. And Which brings me on to lesson number totally five. Fine. Warm hugs. Books that are warm hugs. Mm. Uh, here's my lesson. Need to be warm and dry and not damp. Because a, <laughs> a, a warm hug is good unless it unless you're wet and then it's a it's a warm, damp hug. And for me, <laughs> Monk and Robot number one, which I think is another Becky Chambers book. Is that yes. also yes. Becky Chambers? Yes. I was like, oh, this is so not for me. You're just not the target audience. That book got five stars Yes. on the podcast because you rated it five stars yes. and I rated it. And I was like, I read, I finished it. Yeah. And it was literally, I felt nothing, had zero curiosity. Even though I had some fun with some bits and pieces, yeah. I was like, this isn't for me. Sometimes my opinion also counts something. Yes, and that, that's why that book is one of the few five-star books is because I took my opinion out of that the rating. Same thing that you did with the second time that we reviewed Piranesi. You're like, I, I feel bad rating this book. So it's, it, it just got five, four stars for the second time. Yeah. That yeah. Lesson number six. Let me read it here. Some books are completely forgotten, even when I go back and listen to the episode. So yes. this is yes. related to the previous the lesson uh, number four, where I was like, oh, I started the book, didn't finish it. And but I don't remember even trying it out. Yeah. And this happened to me in a way that I was like, the, the Vanished Birds, what's that book? And then as soon as I listened to the podcast, I was like, oh, this book. I remember like all the characters, everything that happened. Everything oh, you did? Because, yeah. In that oh. book I did. Okay. But at the this is one of the reasons because why I started. I, I still don't know. This is one of the reasons why I started listening to some other episodes because next to it, like one, like two episodes later, was a book called Velocity Weapon. <laughs> yeah, and see, I, I do remember yeah, that. And that's the thing. So I was like, Velocity Weapon, and I was like, I don't remember ever reading a book called <laughs> Velocity Weapon. And so I downloaded that episode, and after listening to the episode of the Vanished Burst, this is when I was walking around Napoli on that last work right. trip. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, I get that. And so uh, you know, I finished the episode about you know, the Vanished Birds. And then I started listening to the book, like the episode about Velocity Weapon. Mm. And I got 
all the way through to the end of the episode about velocity weapon. Yeah. And I still didn't remember ever having read the book. Also, weirdly, I didn't even remember recording the podcast about the book. You know, like everything that I said in that. Yeah. Like a lot of these times when I'm reading back and I was like, oh, I remember what I thought about this book. And then I'm just waiting for myself to get to, you know, saying it. Yeah. You know, often yeah. in too long, in a, in a way that takes too long and is a bit repetition because it's like the first time I'm formulating it. And now that is in my brain. And so I'm listening back and going, okay, yeah, I get the point. You know, I remember this point. I remember making that point. Oh, I remember wanting to say that about this book. And in this one, I was going through, and I was like, I don't remember anything about the book, and I don't remember any of the opinion, uh, any of the opinions that may appear in this podcast. And that's, so that's very funny. funny. And yeah. that happened again uh, when I just listened back to a book called Ancestral Night. And I was listening to it. I, was like, don't I didn't read that. Probably not. I, I don't, don't think, think so. I don't think so. No, you no. didn't actually. But I said that you may or may not enjoy it. But in the end, I was listening back to it, and I was like. I don't remember anything about this book, and and the, like the main, the, but there was something that I mentioned which is going to come out, which I'm going to talk about, actually in the next ep- in the next lesson because yeah. this it ties back to it. And I was like, oh yeah, I do remember why that was so unsatisfying. But in the end, I wasn't remembering the book; I was just remembering the point. In that case, I was remembering the points that I made in the podcast. Okay. And as I looked through quite a few of these episodes, I was like what's that book you know and i don't recognize the name of the author anyway i don't know what the lesson is but just sometimes a book just drops out of your brain and you're like that's it that's all that's all it is it's It's sort of like it's gone yeah Yeah. that's why i started the science fiction book review podcast is to have a list of previous books that i'd read so i didn't start reading the same book that i'd forgotten about yes um that makes sense. This is because I started this before Goodreads existed. I'm sure there was other websites which you could track reading and you could keep your own list. But that's one of the things that I could go like, oh, what did I think of that book? Oh, have I read that book? Oh, I have read that book. What did I think of it? Mm-hmm. And I could do it. And that's one of the things. Lesson number seven. World building. Oh, that's a weird way of spelling world. World building and character have to be the same thing. Now, this is a little bit okay. more complex. So this was done really badly in the book Ancestral Light. Because ancestral it's... light or night? Night. Oh, okay. I guess it auto-corrected. Ancestral yeah. night. So in that book, there's this one. There's one story which is something going on, which is very internal to a character, and it's all happening in their head. Yeah. I wouldn't say all happening in their head, but it's about the internal journey of of a of a or the internal development of a character. Okay. Of a, of a human who's living in the world. Also, at the same time, there is a a big like galaxy oh the galaxy is in danger and we've got to find a macguffin and go here and solve this and there's a space battle there and all that kind of stuff and um and they're completely disconnected to the point where i'm like why is this story about the thing that's happening to this one character yeah what she's feeling about stuff and what she's remembering in her internal journey why is that happening in a space opera world Meanwhile, all the space opera stuff was happening. I was like, and why is this person involved? You know what I mean? Okay. It, they're so disconnected. Yeah. And, it's, and I even said in that podcast that what makes Ian M. Banks so good is that he can do really good literature, literary things with, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And it's yeah. all about somebody's journey, personal journey and what they're going through and how they're yeah. feeling. Yeah. yeah. And that is always, again, don't want to give away what's really great about culture novels is that also is what's going on in the wider world Mm -hmm. they are the same like what he's exploring in the wider world is also what's going on inside the people's brain yeah because the the people the characters are actually rooted in in the world but also why tell a story about someone who's going through one struggle and then tell a story about the wider world going through a different struggle or a different issue and then like, that doesn't tie together. And why Why would you do that? Why would you right. t- have two things which aren't the same thing? Like, why would you have world building 
And why would you have internal, you know, character development? What they do in the cult, what Ian and Banks does in the culture is that he does the same thing. Made worse in Ancestral uh, Night because she's also, I can't remember the name of the author, but she is sort of like, what's the name of the ship? The name of the ship is the, you know, service general service vehicle. I'll explain it to you slowly. And I was like, oh, so you're just doing culture ship names. <laughs> like, it's just culture ship names. So you're making me think of the culture and then you're not doing what Ian M. Banks does really, really well in so many of his culture novels. Yeah. Like, the best ones where they're like, what's the internal struggle of this character? And what's the main struggle of the culture at the moment or the contact or whatever this alien thing is over there? Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, a book that did this really, really well is a book called uh, The Space Between Worlds by yes. Micaiah Johnson. Or maybe yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have really good memories. Uh, like it's it, it, Literally, I say this is, I mean, I had some issues with it, but mm -hmm. generally it was the best book that I read that year. And yeah. I was even saying that yeah. I, I joked about it, that I said, it's the best book I've read this year. And you're like, it's only February. And uh, But even, even at the end <laughs> of the year, I was like, so, that's still one of the best books. Like one of these, of the recent books, which you could call like a tour wave squeak or kind of book, that's really up there because the world building which is about, you know, issues with, you know, parallel worlds and all that kind of stuff, yeah. is the same story of what's going on. I'm not saying it's the same story, but the world building complements the internal conflict of the main character. Yeah, the and person is living in this world. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. just living in this world, no, but mm. she is trying to be an alternative version of herself. Yeah. Meanwhile, going and meeting alternative versions of other people. Yes. You know, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Also, the first book in the Ancillary Justice um, yes. uh, series. Ancillary it, Justice. <laughs> it, yeah, Ancillary, yeah, Ancillary Justice. I would yeah. get a mix up with Ancillary Justice, Ancillary Sword, and Ancillary something else. Um, can't remember. Sword, Justice, whatever. It's like the thing, like the mercy. The, mercy, that's it. But the, the what's going on with the main character mm. is. Is the like the conflict mm -hmm. that's going on mm -hmm. with the main character is reflected in the conflict of the world around us? Like this is it's that's what makes it really that's what makes stuff really great. Yeah, and that's why I sometimes think books don't need to be trilogies. Yes, this is the continuing of my lesson. So, mm. world building and character have to be the same thing. Which is now this is the thing that what I worked out in mm. this episode about this and other episodes as well is that often what an author will do is they've they've done all of this work in the first book yeah and then they say second book ah okay the same world but new characters or the same world but the same characters that uh, and the same characters will be done mm. the continuing adventures of characters in the same world yeah and it doesn't matter how much work that they put into the the characters yeah because the world building has already been established in the previous book yeah the, the world building can't do any of the heavy lifting to make the characters better anymore because we already know the whole world yeah. and there's not a lot to do. We can go to a different, we can go to a different planet or we can go to a different place. And this is what, again, Ian and Banks does so well. Like every, yeah. <laughs> every book is a new character in the culture and a new, um, a, a new other civilization yep. or a new big problem and a new character. So the character work is built up at the same time as this other bit of world building that's built up. And even though you can say it's the culture, it's not all, it's, there's a it's reason. It's so diverse. It's so yeah. diverse because yeah. it's always on the edge of the culture. It's always yeah. on the contact or the first, was it the contacts or the uh, uh, or special circumstances? Yes. You know, it's, it's like, what's the new problem? Yeah. And also here's a new character. Yeah. How does the new problem reflect on the new character? So all of these books where the first book I think is really, really strong, mm -hmm. they're always let down in the second book because they're like, okay, characters, let's go. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how good this character is. 
because the work because I'm not discovering a new world alongside them. Yeah, I don't get the benefit of that. So, for example, um, Harrow the Ninth, Gideon oh, yeah. the Ninth was really really great. Yes. We've got a world that's being built, and there's this crazy place, and the character is in it, and these two characters, conf- the conflict between yeah. these two characters, and there's other characters over here. We've got this very weird- strong. Yeah. Even though it read very much like a computer game, uh, levels and stuff, and all, like of all of the negative things I had to say about the book, I overall enjoyed it because the world building was the same thing as the character building. And in the second book, they're like, okay, world building keep us read, character building let's go. Same, it's the same with the um, two like the lightning. I'm like the characters are crazy and the world is crazy, and then you're like, okay, I understand the world now. And in that way, the characters didn't stay crazy enough either as well. Yeah. But also the Broken Earth trilogy, the fifth season, the whole point where they, you have these three different timelines with these yeah. three different characters. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and as the, again, don't want to give it away, but it's, it's so good because it's the same thing. What's happening to the characters and the, the world building is here and there's like three different world buildings. There's mm-hmm. the, 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 the pirate adventures in one. There's the post-apocalyptic thing over the other. There's the magic school mm-hmm. of the other one. And and it's so well done. And then in the second and third books, they're like, ah, same characters and the world doesn't change anymore. We're just in this post-apocalyptic stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. the reason why um, the fifth season or the, mm-hmm. the first book in the Broken Earth yeah, the fifth season was the first book. Yes. The reason why that was so good was because the world building and the character building were the same thing. Yes. And as soon as you don't need to do one of them anymore, there's nothing left. Yeah. So stop reading. Oh, put it this way. I actually made a note here. Read the next books, but don't let them cloud your judgment of the first book just because the publishers knew they had a moneymaker. And yeah. that's always what happens. They're yeah, like, yeah. Gideon the Ninth, um, Harrow the Ninth, and suddenly you're like, none of the Ninth. You're like, well, wasn't this a trilogy? And they're like, oh, I did a fourth book. It's like, why did you do a thought? Come on. Come on, Tamsin. Why yeah. did you do a fourth book? Is it because you had something new to say and you were really in love with this and it was so good and you had new explode? No. No. They said, paycheck for a fourth book. And you're like, let's go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not every book has needs to be yeah. a trilogy or even more. Oh, I got some shorter, shorter, epi- shorter, shorter lessons here. So we are at now lesson eight? number eight: yeah. difficulty level, attempted work versus capability of the author. Oh, uh, and the the uh, example here is Autonomous by Nevitz. I put here Annalie Nevitz. Yeah, um, she was aiming for an eleven. Yeah, she had the skill for a, of a six. Yeah, and what she should have done is aimed for an eight. Yes, <laughs> like if she'd have we aimed, did, we did say that. In yeah, the yeah, program, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Was if she'd have aimed at eight, she would, if she'd have got six or seven, it would have been fine. Yes. but she aimed for eleven and she got a six, and that gap is too big. Yes, you, she needed to be a much, 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 much better author to pull off what she was trying to do in that mm. book, mm. rather than being, you know, an editor of a blog. Yeah, you know, she needed to already have a long history of writing four or five novels, and then yeah. like, I want a big challenge. Let's go for it just didn't work out at all lesson number nine sometimes a book is about the thing you don't like but that doesn't make it a bad book yes lesson here all the birds in the sky yeah um again written by was it charlie jane anders yes who is the partner of annalee nevitz you know that's why these are listed here together yeah um and you didn't like it at all yeah. and you were like but it, it shouldn't be like this and I was like but that's what it is and I enjoyed like, what it was was good and I enjoyed it just because you didn't like what the book was about doesn't make it a bad book which again sometimes a book is not for me but yeah. that's the book those are the books that I abandon at 20 or 50% of the way through yes. and never give a rating to yeah so uh yeah, sometimes you can read a book and you're really like horrified by it or you're really disgusted by the topics but there's still mm. something to the book mm. and still something 
like yeah. there is an emotional connection which doesn't need to be a positive one yeah it can be a negative one yeah but they but won't impactful. go for a ne- the authors sometimes an author will go for a negative uh, uh, reaction but yeah. generally they go for a positive one okay which brings me oh it doesn't bring me let's get to lesson number 10 slightly connected but i don't need to over overthink the connection the, this, the lesson is don't overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> I said sometimes it really is just a book about magic, even if getting over a trauma is a theme of yeah. the book, like yeah. in Piranesi. Yes. So sometimes it's just magic rather than being an all-in-their-own-head coping mechanism to get over real trauma, which Slaughterhouse-Five and Life of Pi seem to be a yeah. story told by somebody to themselves to, to be able to get over past trauma. Yeah. In the case of Slaughterhouse-Five, firebombing of Dresden, yes. and it, someone freaks out and they have massive post-traumatic stress and the only way they can get through it is to tell themselves fabulous stories about being unstuck in time and going after alien planets. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is all just some in someone's head. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. Also, Life of Pi, yeah. we, which I look back, I tried to find the episode. We didn't review it because it's not a science fiction book or a fantasy book and we just, because I, I read the audio book and then we watched the movie. Yes. But it came up on these things that light, my reading, and the very clear reading of yes. in the book of Life of Pi is that there was never a tiger and there was never an ape and there was never all of these other things in the boat with him. Yeah. There was him and, and other sailors. Yes, and the it, cook. Or something. Yeah, there was the cook and the other one. And in the end, the only way that he could survive mm. was by killing these other people mm-hmm. and maybe eating them or whatever like that. And he was so traumatized by what he had to become to live through it is that he had to then give everybody a, an animal personality yeah. and tell a story about the, like, and he took the, like, the tiger is him mm. and the cook is the ape or whatever it yeah. is, you know. Yeah. And that's the only, that's the only way. And it, so the rest of the story, it's not, a, like, it's a fantastic story and it's a really interesting story. But the only, the reading that seems to be pretty clear in the book is that this is a story that someone has told themselves to get through trauma. Yeah. And Piranesi isn't that. It is a story where someone goes through into a different place because there's physical evidence in that your reading could be it but your reading is the wrong reading because if you if you if it was the right reading the author would put that in the book and you would have given it more than zero star five two stars or whatever you gave it i couldn't get away from my reading i know your reading destroyed your enjoyment of the book sometimes it's just magic yeah not everything has to be something that's always in people's head and this goes into the some of the things like the like the some fan theories of like oh all of the pixar movies happen in the same (laughs) world because this character is in that one and and it's like or it's one movie studio with the same people like creating it and the same animators putting like like jokes in there yeah and you're like which one is it it's Mm. actually not an all connected world it's not like oh this book can happen in the same world as this book or this can happen it's like no yes it's just they're just works of art created by people and if they have things in common like this book is about getting over trauma and these other books are getting out of tra- over trauma and these books are about getting over trauma it all happening on the head so that means this book is all happening that has no not every book about getting over trauma is all happening in someone's head and it's a coping mechanism yes that is even true. if in yeah. the story somebody is getting over trauma yeah. and uh, coming back to the pixar and the, the Dis- uh, it, it's yeah. really strong in disney movies as well where you literally can see oh they use just the same movement and yeah. the same <laughs> characters and stuff yeah but that is just same as with with composers like bach had like uh, drawers full of sheet music and yeah. then he took one out and then 
repurposed it and used yeah, it Yeah, but again. you could say, ah, oh, and the message of this, this mean, yeah. this bit means this, and this bit means this. And when he puts them together like that, he's actually trying to say this. Or he's yeah. just a, a like a composer who's him and his wife are just like, fuck, we've got a lot of music to write this year. Scribble, 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 scribble. Hey, do you remember that one? Oh, it's like the Beatles song. What is it? Paul is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all that kind of or they were just some guy. Yeah, that's that's always the Paul is dead thing. And I noticed this with um with watching the Get Back uh, documentary. Yeah. Where you're like, why is he saying this? It's sort of like, and then you watch it like, oh, jo- John was just, he was like vocal diarrhea all the time. He would just, just be like, Danny boy, blah, blah, blah. Like at the end of everything, he's like, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, right. They were just like manic guys who didn't have control of their mouths. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was that going to be? Oh, yeah. 11. Time travel issues. It's creepy to use time travel to seduce women, especially oh. if they are still minors. And it's so <laughs> weird to go back and listen to this. I'm like, oh, yeah, time traveler's wife is like, and I said, like, you know, is it a is it a romantic book? Is it a drama? Or is it some like, and this is why I had to stop reading. I'm like, it's just creepy grooming of underage girls by 40-year-old men. Hmm. Uh, like, or whatever it is or and then i listened back to the episode about replay by ken grimwood and i was like it's gross like this guy comes back and his future wife is still only you know 14 years old but he gets back and he's 18 year old and he like introduces himself to the family and they're sort of like oh this is great and they grow up and then when she turns age of consent age and she and they're like oh but and i was just like Ugh. why is it that and you know in that book i talk about in my own book in my own time travel novel mine and tomorrow where i kind of tried to address that by like you know and i have a chapter about it and sort of like is this consensual i don't know but i had to do so you know this kind of thing that like addressing it was in a lot of these other books it's not even addressed it's sort of like oh yeah if you're a man and you're you've got the you've got the mind of an 80 year old but you know your wife is still 12 in this age yeah just go back and meet her it's going to be fine and i'm like "Ah!" yeah yeah it's presumed that just because you know that person when they are uh, in uh, a normal age to you no 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 that we don't need to when go, you go back, it's so creepy yes, it's so it's, weird it's strange it uh, brings me on to lesson number 12 memory loss a character regaining their memory mm. is boring it's, it's convenient yeah. which is one of the things that I learned about Piranesi because I was like I read it too close to uh, Project Hail Mary by uh, uh, Andy Weir yeah. and I was sort of like oh it's very convenient that he remembers stuff exactly in chronological order exactly where it's he remembers stuff at the speed of plot rather than the, the actual real time how order. you would yeah and I was like oh that's boring mm. um, and doesn't do that like I say the second reading through I was like oh actually he isn't regaining his memories he's reading back over stuff that he's pre- previously written and forgotten yeah. and it kind of has the same function but he never regains his memories and I was like oh that's really great it's a story about someone who's forgotten all their memories and never, never regains all their memories because of magic and not trauma. Is in my yeah, reading, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. But just yeah. imagine yeah. a story about someone who's got amnesia, yeah. and their story is they, they got amnesia. They got amnesia, and they I just never, get ne- out of they it. never remember. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's actually. It's actually when I was reading it the first time, I was, I was like, oh yeah, another one of these. But yeah. it was actually on the second reading, I was like, oh no, no, it wasn't one of those. There was yeah. actually something more clever going. That's on always what the doctors say when these kind of things happen, and then somebody has amnesia, and they say. It, it, they could recover some stuff and then it's always a like mm. the miracle happens and they remember yeah. everything but that's not always how it, how it goes lesson 13 problem mm. solving mm. is only satisfying when you can use real life human experience and knowledge to solve the to solve the problem along with right. the main character and not convenient 
uh, project, project Hail Mary, they're sort of like, and now to solve this problem, we will use a magical metal combined with a magical power source. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. It's like, yeah, we can just use this suitcase full of metal to make a chain which is 50 kilometers long. And you're like, how thin's a chain? Like, like all of the stuff yeah. going, it's like, no, but you, like, no, but how, it's alien but, technology. Yeah, but it is alien technology, so it's fine, but yeah. then it's indistinguishable from magic. Yes. And if stuff's indistinguishable from magic, or not based on whatever it's difficult yeah. anyway i think that's one of those things where we say it's convenient a lot yeah in in the book the martian everything like i say what we really liked about this book by andy weir is sort of like oh no there's this radio thing that like i need a radio transmitter but i'm on mars and there's no radio transmissions and we're like oh but they said that the pioneer uh, no not pioneer that was to mercury what is it the viking lander yeah. the old viking lander is just 80 kilometers in this direction so if you manage to get the truck working yeah. you're 80 kilometers. Yeah. like this is what we're thinking in sort of like and then after two days of travel, I arrived at the old Viking thing, and I'm like, "Yes, that's what you. That's how it should work." The same thing happens, or not the same thing happens in the in the third season of uh, which I we only uh, watched after this. The third season of For All Mankind, mm. we're on the Mars, and they need some kind of you know power unit or control unit, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have one of those." And they're like, "Ah, but the North Korean thing just crashed over there. Yeah. Let's go over there and get it." So it's all Let's like do some yes, salvaging. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need to do you need yeah. to go a long way across the martian uh, surface yeah. to to pick something up yeah. and to bring it back and that's the problem that can be solved and we as humans and the writers of for all mankind who for sure have read the martian you know <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know no we're living around. in a world where there was a movie called the martian comes out so now everything on mars when it comes to problem solving has to kind of like and that's the thing the other ones that this didn't work with was in the quick which was sold to me as a bit like the martian but mm. also some fiery romance mm. and i was like the problem solving is really weird because we're on a fantasy world with a, an extra planet called the pink planet which isn't mars which you think is mars but it isn't that the you know physics doesn't work um nothing works the same as we are same with the last astronaut where yeah. you're like Phys you're using a you're using your forward retro actors you know your your retro uh, rockets mm. to cancel out your forward thrust and you're like to cancel out forward thrust turn off the thrusters so it's it, that in some ways it's written by people who don't know enough about science or technology to come up with a compelling problem to be solved or an action to be taken yeah which doesn't work. The other one is Inherit the Stars, where there's all this like, oh, there's this uh, sp spaceman found on the moon, but he's from 40,000 years ago. How could that happen? And we do this whole big thing, and the whole book is about scientists in rooms discussing among themselves about how to work things, and this, how does this work, how does this work, how does this work? And in the end, the solution is, oh, none of this was happening in our universe. It's happening in some alternative universe where physics works differently, the history of the universe is differently, yeah. plate tectonics works differently, <laughs> asteroids work differently, orbits work differently, time works differently, radiation works differently everything works differently and that's how the thing's solved and you're like but i didn't know at the start of the book that everything worked differently you didn't do the world building to establish the rules that in this place the rules are like this yeah you know this kind of stuff can be used oh. in like if if an author has an has a problem and yeah. they need something to just solve the problem without them yeah. going too it, deep into thinking like how can we actually solve this yeah. how would like it's the same kind of with apollo 13 yeah you know where they yeah, that yeah. was like, you had to work with the things yeah. that you had on hand. Yeah. And here's the thing, Micaiah Johnson in The Space Between Worlds, what's really great about the world building 
as well as that it works with the characters, it's a rigorous rule yeah. set that yeah. if this rule set exists, what would be the outcome? Exactly. And they yeah. set she sets it all up at the start of the book and all the way through the end of the book, it's like every time that you meet another character or go somewhere new, you're like, oh, it, this is not my world, but it's rooted, we play it, at least it's rigorous. rigorous. So that's yeah. actually yeah. not the same thing, but like... It, it's not it's the same thing. Well it's possible mm-hmm. to root something in another world and in other rule sets yeah. and other physics, but you have to establish that at the start. You it, can't just reveal it at the end. Yeah, exactly. So it is always about establishing the rules and then pl- keep playing by them and not yeah. then, because it's convenient, yeah. put in, oh, and there's an alien coming with amazing technology. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, I didn't know we were in a world with amazing alien technology. <laughs> oh, there is. That's how we're solving the problem. Yes. Uh, lesson number 14. Sometimes it's fun following along with the ongoing production and output of a work rather than the finished work. You know, we had this thing with the right. Marvel Cinematic Universe as a as a movie yeah. thing. What was fun about it was being there for when the new movie comes out. Yes. It's impossible to get that back if you just go back and marathon something. Yes. Same thing with uh, Vorkosigan Saga. The reason why I think a lot of people really like the new book when it comes out is because they've spent 20 years reading along with it. The new book comes out and reading it along with everyone else is part of it. Same kind of thing, that kind of thing that I'm getting now with the Brandon Sanderson Stormlight Archive Way of Kings Mm. series, Mm -hmm. which is like part of the fun of that is that I'm not going back and reading in a row seven novels, each of them 2,000 pages. Yes. It's sort of like, no, every You've three done years. The work. <laughs> every three years you read 1,500 pages yeah. rather than here's 9,000 pages in a row to read. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not the finished work. It's the act of keeping, a lo- keeping up with it and the anticipation of what might happen next. Yeah. It's, sorry, the enforced anticipation of what might happen next. Yeah. And also because you are so deep in it, you feel yeah. very comfortable and you rediscover, oh, this character, I remember that character. Yeah, but, or like this uh, royal. Or and this also it's impossible to be disappointed yes. in the moment yeah. when the thing that's going to disappoint you hasn't been released yet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm totally satisfied with where I'm up to in a series mm-hmm. knowing like knowing that the end hasn't been written yet because it's impossible for me to be dissatisfied yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Unless, I, unless there's like... Ooh. 20, 30 years in between and yeah, the book's well, still not out. Yeah, it could be that one. Lesson 15. Read and or watch a series in publication order and not chrono- and not internal chronological order. Um, because so many of these things, you only you only know how you're meant to feel about somebody or a situation if you already know what that person's like afterwards. You know? Yeah, yeah. I can go into Star Wars movies and things that they've prequels and sequels and stuff, but the Vorkosigan saga is something that I was sort of like wait, what? who's this kid who's turned up? And sort of like, oh, this crazy kid's doing this stuff. And I'm like, and then the book ends. And I'm like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, that's Miles Vorkosigan, the main character of all the other books. He yeah. turns up three books at the end of the third book of yeah. the chronological order. Yeah. And I was sort of like, oh, that's why I, this is all backstory for someone more important. Yeah. Anyway. But the, the beginning books, I really enjoyed. Yeah. The, the, the books without Miles Vakosigan are really good. <laughs> yeah. More on Miles Vakosigan lessons later. Uh, lesson number How six. many of these are there to come? Uh, we're getting through them pretty quick now. There's like 10 more, but we're getting through them quick. Six, lesson 16. Reasons something gets an award. Uh, 
isn't always about the quality of the book. Yep. Sometimes it's just their turn. It's the author's turn. Like all the science fiction and fantasy authors go, oh, this person, they've written a book. Well, They yeah. now deserve it. They're friends with enough. They appear on other people's podcasts. They blurb on other people's. They wrote some really good blurbs about my book. So I'll write a good blurb about their book. Oh, I've yeah. got to vote for somebody. Which book did my publisher give me? Oh, they're connected enough. It's their turn. They win. Or it's their first novel after writing many novellas. See Network Effect by Martha Wells. Don't need to go into that. Mm. The first opportunity opportunity that all these people who've given like really high rated novellas all this time it's yep. first, first time they can vote for an, a, um, a, a novel by that person with that character murderbot wins i, I um, still enjoy the books yeah but that's that, but the, but yes the novel your, version your, of that your was, lesson there is valid the novel version even if you enjoy it is it's almost unconscionable that somebody could award that book best book of the yeah, year yeah favorite book of the year and that's the thing it always comes down to these things they're popularity contests it's yeah. never about the best no. it's never about the quality no. it's about people's favorites and people can have favorites for the wrong reason yep and i'm not saying wrong re i'm saying okay i'm not saying the wrong re i'm not saying they're mistaken i'm just saying the reason they're voting for a book isn't isn't the isn't even that it's their Doesn't, favorite book? It's you know? not. It's not a sign of quality. Yeah, it's, they don't. They don't think that they. They might think that it's a sign of quality, but they're wrong about that. The reason that they people aren't voting. Another other thing is special guest at WorldCon, World uh, the WorldCon, and you released a novel. Yeah, Neil like Gaiman. The, the, it's like the heaviest biases you can yeah, ever yeah, yeah. get. Let's do selection effect out the wazoo. These yeah. people who are paying this, paying money to visit this convention to, specifically to meet this guest, who is the guest of honor, yeah. who are they going to vote for as the best book that year? Of course. Lesson number 17. Pop culture references only bring joy if you're allowed to recognize them on your own and they aren't. <laughs> and, but if you don't recognize them, they aren't grating on you. So here's the thing. There's um, in, in the book um, uh, Outworld by Dennis E. Taylor. It's full of really clunky pop culture references. Did we talk about that one? Yes. I have no it's idea about, about that It's about one. a portal that goes through to a, a, a world where there's woolly mammoths still exist because humans didn't evolve or whatever. Okay. Um, don't worry about it. Mm. You don't need to think about this. But If you say that kind of thing. The main character, his main one of his main characteristics is that he, puts, he, he, he makes a lot of pop culture references. Okay. And it's tedious yeah. because everybody always highlights all the pop culture references he's mm. talking about. Except for one where he says, oh, I defeated him because uh, he was only thinking in two dimensions and I was thinking three dimensions. And that is the only reference which you're allowed to, like, the, it's the only one that you're allowed to discover. It's sort of like, oh, that's from Star Trek, Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan. In the end, they defeat Khan because he was only thinking in two dimensions. They were thinking in three dimensions. They came, kind of mm -hmm. come in from above mm -hmm. in a cloud or something. Mm. Which is, you're like, that's the only reference that he he uh was allowed that we were allowed to appreciate right references only work if you as a reader are allowed to discover them by yourself and yeah. have a moment of recognition yeah. and they reflect more on the situation like yeah. by knowing that reference you understand the character better yeah. or you understand the reference better yeah. but also i and, yeah. and here's my remark on that the a book that you write needs to work also for the person that doesn't understand the yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It only, these only work if they don't get in the way. Exactly. So another thing that happens is Project Hail Mary. Right. Where he says, oh, we've got these robots that are buzzing around, these like drones that he's yeah. got with them. And there's five of them. So he calls them um, uh, John, Paul, uh, George, Ringo, and uh, and um, Pete. Right. And, and you're like, Pete? Oh, yeah, Pete. 
Pete Best, who was the drummer before Ringo mm-hmm. came in, because mm-hmm. there was five of them, but there was only four. Ah, oh, the Beatles. Uh, this one is called Pete because Pete. And you're like, well, don't explain it. They're they're, they're beetle like robots. They call just name them after Beatles, and there's a fifth one, and you call it Pete, yeah. and move on. If people are, if it gets in anybody's way, like, wait, what's Pete? They can go up and look, look it up, go up and look Pete Best, yeah. and then he explains it, and then he says, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band mm. is my favorite album of the Beatles and the greatest moment in musical history. And I was like, no, even if you're a fan of the Beatles, you can't talk like that. It's yeah. one of those things that Beatles fans don't say that, you know. No. So it's this artificial layering of pop culture references, mm. which you don't get any joy in discovering them because they just say outright, this is a pop culture reference from this Starg- Stargate SG-1. You know, I'm just explaining the stuff that I found in this episode right. about Outworld. And you're like, no, if you're going to make a Stargate reference, make a reference which the people who know Stargate, either the movie or they the TV it. show, they get it. Yeah. It, it enhances their understanding of the situation and, you know, their enjoyment of the situation. But people who don't get the reference, it doesn't get in the way and you can move on. Yeah. Anyway. I, I thought the, the biggest book of that representation of that lesson yeah. there is Ready Player One. but uh, Weirdly enough, <laughs> less of an issue with that because yeah. that is a book about knowing it, references and yes. how knowing references is going to make you a winner. Yes, so it's it's very out, uh, like this is this is it, this is the theme here. Yeah, this is, yeah. so it, 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 because it's on the face of it, yeah. I actually, it, I mean, I found it infuriating, but it's not the same issue. Yeah. If the issue, if the book is about how, mu- how much pop, culture references yeah. how many pop culture references do i know yeah. there's actually a little bit about it's that it's very it. self-conscious about I'm it i'm going to uh, skip ahead to lesson number 22 because i realize this is the same thing right lesson 22 knowing shakespeare is very important in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland in north america we wish what, no, you true. wish the in station wishes. 11 yes. everyone gets together and they have a shakespeare troupe and they're going around yeah. performing shakespeare yeah. in the movie in the not the movie in the book the postman by david brin the the main character is somebody who goes place to place and does one man Hamlet shows, yep. one man Shakespeare shows. And I was like, ah, the, like the, you know, the, the, what the author of the book grew up being a fan of or enjoying yeah. is suddenly the most important thing in the post-apocalyptic. It's sort of like, and what we need after a post-apocalypse is Shakespeare. And again, I don't mind it so much in Fahrenheit 451, Mm -hmm. where that's a story about books and the power of literature and learning. And it's about burning books and destroying knowledge. So retaining the canon is good. But this isn't that. It's sort of like, and now Shakespeare in post-apocalyptic America. And I'm like, wow, two books, The Postman and Station Eleven. That's really weird. So again, the pop culture references that are most appreciated by the author of the book in the case of Dennis E. Taylor which is Star Trek in the case of whoever wrote Ready Player One is you know Klein something Ernst, Ernst, Klein. Ernst Klein it's about you know video games and movies from the 80s the 70s yeah. and 80s and 90s or yeah. whatever pop culture stuff like that it's suddenly that's the most important thing I'm going to re go back we've got a few more to go lesson 18 retellings <laughs> of stories break because things happen wait a second if, if you have a book in the quick, which yeah. turns out to be, I didn't realize going in, but it was a retelling of Jane Eyre. The story, oh, yeah. nothing in the story made sense because the logic of the story was transposed logic from a different story yeah. where different characters in different situations yes. were in, had to make different decisions to, to make it in the world. Yeah. And those decisions and the plot is transposed onto a world where it doesn't fit. Yeah. So the decisions that somebody had to make in 1810, a woman had to make in massively misogynistic patriarchal 1810 to get by in the world and to be a success. Yeah. 
is different from a science fiction world in the future where sexism doesn't exist. Yeah. But if you tell the same story, one of them makes sense in the internal logic of the time, but it doesn't make sense in yeah. the future. Yeah. When there's no sex when sexism isn't an issue in the book and there's literally no sexism in the whole book, the decisions that the lead character makes can't be the same the same uh, book that someone makes the same decisions that someone makes in a in a Jane Eyre or a Pride and Prejudice Pride and Prejudice because the situation yeah. that the characters yeah. are in are fundamentally different. Yeah. So the solutions, it solutions and decisions of a character are always rooted in the context. Yeah. And you can't you can't take one. Co let me. You could maybe, but then you have to be an amazing author. Yeah. Or you have to come up with different reasons for the yes. characters to do the same thing that makes sense yes which is possible yeah but in this there wasn't even any different yeah. reasons given for yeah. doing the same thing lesson number 19 the author has to do work on the second pass not leaving the shortcuts and this is another one from uh, from the last astronaut and um because in the last astronaut uh, there was this uh, object that comes through the uh, the, the solar system called mm. Oumuamua. do you remember Oumuamua? yeah this long uh interstellar object that flew through the solar system in yeah. our real world this happened yes and then in the book the last astronaut they're like and then something the same shape but much bigger came through the solar system but stopped here hmm. and this is called and you're like okay what's it called and you realize that the uh, the author put down oh i don't have a name for it i'll just call it the object so hmm. you say it's going to be called the object hmm. and i was like but that can't be the final name for it because that's your shortcut for when you're writing the book. <laughs> you hadn't come up with a name for it. You just called it the object. Right. That was a placeholder. It was a placeholder. So when you go back th through the second time, you're like, okay, the first object that came through is Oumuamua, which is some Hawaiian, you know, deity. Mm. So let's find a more important or bigger Hawaiian deity from the some Hawaiian religion or culture and we'll give it that name. Mm. And the second object, which is related to the first, will have the same name because in our world, mm. in our human world, mm. when we're naming astrological uh, astronomical or astrological objects we have naming conventions that all the moons of this planet are from this you know yeah. uh, this planet the moons have this thing asteroids have another naming con convention yeah. craters are named yeah. after this you know yeah. there's ways so if you ever want to know how to name something you just look at all the, the naming scheme of previous things that have been named like that yes. and come up with the same name and that's your job as an author you can't just say the object I won't bother naming it in the final version of yes. this and even now in, in our world is that like a, an object yeah. will get a string of numbers and letters. Yeah. And they are determined on certain things. And once we know that there's more importance to it, yeah. then they get the name of the person discovering yeah, it. Yeah, it can or often get like, another name. Yeah. And like this thing, Comet comes through. Who discovered it? Schumacher and Levy. So Schumacher and Levy comes through. Yes. Um, uh, Luf Lucifer's Hammer. Uh was in the book it said oh actually it was it was uh, discovered by someone called Hamner but mm. nobody nobody no, bothered how to say Hamner so we just called it Lucifer's Hammer and I'm like great that's fun uh, Larry yeah. Niven or whoever wrote that you're doing the work you came up with yeah. a good name that someone called Hamner like discovered it but they're like oh it's going to hit earth like a hammer well now it's Hammer you know mm. it's come up with a name the same thing that happened in the book called the swarm which i talked about in relation to this which is the the book which inspired me to do the science fiction book review podcast because i read it and it was so shit and i wanted to talk to people and tell people how shit the book was right. to discourage them from reading it and one of the things was like someone put a placeholder name literally in the text of the novel someone says and this species that's under the sea that's very dangerous i'm gonna call it the mm, let me think of a name let me think of a name and you can see my finger tapping let me think of a name and tapping like no i look 
couldn't mm. think of the name. And he looked down and his tapping fingers had actually typed out a word on the keyboard called Yur. Y R R R. And he was like, good enough. I'll call it the Euro. And I'm like, the character in the book, the, the main thing that is named after a placeholder character, placeholder name that the character in the book explained how the author came up with that character, that placeholder name, which is he accidentally hit the keyboard and typed in Yur. Yep, and that's in there. I'm like, no, your job as the author in the same in the same books as well. There's um uh in the last astronaut, sort of like, and she saw it and she didn't have words. It was so amazing she didn't have words to describe it, and then moved on. I was like, no, you can't write that. She didn't have words to describe it. Your job as the author is to finish that sentence. Yeah, is to finish yep. that description. Yeah, same thing with John Scalzi, where like some in the third. Last Emperor's book, hmm. Last Collapsing Empire's book. He's sort of like, and then, oh, I could tell you that story. I don't have time, but just say I felt really good about it afterwards. And I was like, wait, that's, so you're not going to tell me the story. You're not going to tell me why he felt good about it afterwards. You just like placeholder, uh, fill in story here. And he comes back for the last final pass. I'm like, I never nah, did get to write that. To that. Never <laughs> did get back around to writing that fun story of this side character's backstory and how he got to be that way. Yeah. I'll just say, I, I'll just leave it. And I'm like, Fuck me. Some authors. Terrible. Terrible authors. Which brings me on to another one. Uh, some of these others as well. Some Where the, are we now? We had 22 we've th- already. We've got three lessons left. So we are now... At- I skipped, Remember I skipped ahead to Shakespeare because that's that's a, uh, in, that's uh, in the same way that Star Trek references are really important in some books, yeah. but that Shakespeare is really important in other books. Because, of course, <clears> authors. Uh, so uh, we're now at... We're going to get through these last ones pretty quick. Right. Americans, lesson 20. Americans don't understand that when they write a neutral or non-political character, that point of view is actually very, very, very political. But because they're American chauvinism that they think America is the world, they don't realize how like massively problematically political these characters are. How yeah. there's just massive amounts of in like ingrained like sexism and racism and well maybe not so much sexism but certainly the racism and that the white male point of view is so default mm. that it's it, it, like uh, and the kind of like neoliberal power you know might makes right powerful the yeah. American way exceptionalism all of that kind of stuff yeah. reading that from outside. It, I don't mind it in a book if it's not if the if the author isn't trying to go out of their way to show to to be like inoffensive and non-political. Yeah, it's the it's the attempts by some authors to be inoffensive and non-political that when you write it, you're like, oh, you're trying to be inoffensive and non-political, but you're coming in with this with all of the assumptions that underlie American society, many of which I find very problematic. Yes, that is true. I'm not going to go into many details about that, but I did notice that with John Scalzi and Dennis E. Taylor yeah. and some. Etc. Etc. But again, a lot of it, it happens. Yeah. yeah. Lesson twenty-one: Books can become background listening when nothing important happens and everything is repeated three times. That's a Vorkosigan saga one. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, no- sometimes you want that. Yeah. Lesson number twenty-two. I mentioned that Shakespeare. Lesson number twenty-three. Oh, another bit about Vorkosigan. If you make a rape scene, if you respond to a rape scene with "Oh, boys will be boys," it's really difficult for me to keep reading. And Nancy Boys, an otherwise great book. And 2% of the book revolve around a rape scene. And I'm like, wow, that poisoned the whole thing. Mirror Dance. Mm. Vorkosigan saga. Oh, by yeah. That's Lewis where you Bichold. stopped it, didn't you? Yeah, I stopped reading there because the two main characters, one attempted to rape a, ten, attempted to rape a tw- 10-year-old girl and the other one had oral sex from a 10-year-old girl. And I'm like, 
these are our main characters. These are the heroes of the book. Mm. They're portrayed as heroes. They're the main guys. They're the main guys. We're meant to root for them. One of them is is caught attempting to rape a, rape a 10-year-old girl. Later on, another one of them has oral sex from a 10-year-old girl. And I'm like, this is not cool. Like, there's no, there's no world in which this is cool. Mm. And I stopped reading and I was flabbergasted that so many other people were giving it five stars and four stars and had to read through many, 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 many reviews to find somebody else who was like, this is creepy and weird and rapey. Yeah. And this book wasn't written that long ago. It yeah. won the Hugo Award and is now, for that year, this book is now represented as the best book from that year. Again, it comes back to... Don't give these books to pe young people. Like Vorkosigan saga books, there's some books which may be okay. It's super not okay no. to have the main characters be literal rapists and at the end of the book they're rewarded by becoming part of a royal family and being fifth in line to the throne, being given spaceships, being hailed as heroes, and even the people in the book, the other women in the book who have past trauma about sexual assault are just yeah. sort of like, great, I'll follow you into battle. And I'm like, not good enough. Yeah. Anyway. Next. I'm not going to finish on that one. 24, double identity and disguises don't work when they're only told from the point of view of the person in disguise. You have to see it from the outside. This is what happens in the Forkosigan book, Brother in Arms. It's a mistaken identity. Two people trying oh, to pass yeah. themselves <laughs> off as one person. One person trying to pass themselves as two person. This person's in disguise. This person's not in disguise. Who knows? And it's all told from the point of view of the person who has perfect knowledge because they know everything that's going on because they're in disguise and they just see other people around them being confused. And I'm like, I am a reader. I'm not confused because I'm in the person person's head of the person doing all the confusing rather in the head of the people not like who are confused or don't understand what's happening yeah but that's one of those that's one of the basic storytelling things that's yeah. literally shakespeare yeah see it from <laughs> no it's difficult in plays because you see you you see it through the, the the makeup and stuff yeah <clears throat> so it works if you're seeing a play and you don't know that there's two people like you don't know there's identical twins in the play until both of them come out on stage yeah. which is a story i told in this podcast about me and my brother identical twins mm. we did a commedia dell'arte show where we both wore the same suit we both wore the same hat we both carried the same umbrella you know that kind of uh what is it the whatever the typical businessman is we might as well have had apples in front of our heads right um whatever oh bowler hats yeah so and w w i would go off one side and nathan would come on the other lots of people who saw those shows didn't realize there was two of us in the show yeah. until halfway through yeah. it's possible to do that on stage but you literally have to have identical twins to pull it off yes see i was going to say some movies that this happens in but I, I, then i'm giving away the twist in the movies yeah. um so yes you need so that's the kind of thing from the outside mentioned on the same episode the steers women steers woman yeah whatever the first book in there they're like hey let's take on these alternative um identities we won't just be you know spies going in there i'll pretend to be a business person <laughs> you pretend to be my bodyguard let's go and they head out the next scene is from a third character's point of view seeing those from the outside and he's sort of like hmm, these people are weird they're saying this don't think it adds up they say that they're not this and they're, and, and they're then merchants he, and yeah they're, they're merchants uh, oh, they're not merchants they yeah. must be something different he comes to a another understanding a, an incorrect understanding of that but as soon as they actually clarify what's going mm -hmm. on suddenly we get it from the the other people's points of view again yeah and it's sort of like oh competent story writing yeah. when there's 
that mistaken identities, confused identities, people in disguise, people trying to pass themselves off as multiple people, multiple people trying to pass themselves off as the same person, that only works if we see it from the point of view of people who are not in on the joke or not in on the subterfuge. We need to see it from the outside, which works great in in Mission Impossible movies because you just see actors doing something. You're like, oh, they had a mask on the whole time. Uh Yeah. Final one, Lesson 25, another one from Vorkosigan Saga and many, 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 many other books is that privilege is boring and that when everyone gets a title at the end of the first book, you know, this always often happens. So yeah. like by the end of the first book, suddenly this person gets a superpower and that person's related to that person. Oh, and they've got a superpower. And this person goes, oh, now you can be a duke and you can be a count. You get this company, you get this position. Mm-hmm. At the end, This happens mm-hmm. at the end of a book because it's actually quite satisfying. People get rewarded for what they've done so far. They get a title they get a position of power they get some more money they succeed they get the superpower whatever it is and then they're like book number two and i'm like boring yeah (laughs) boring the people who can suddenly and this is in vorkosigan saga oh i need to solve this problem what i'll do is literally make a phone call to the emperor of this space-based space empire and they will just say give me the answer and you're like Hey guys, I've got the answer. What did you have to do for that? Oh, I'm cousin to the king. And you're like, ah, cousin to the king yeah. has a lot of ways of solving problems which are unsatisfying to normal people in normal life. Absolutely. Once you're, at, uh, once you're over that threshold and you're so far away and there's so much, like you can just throw money at it or yeah, the relationship yeah. or the status, mm. the privilege that you suddenly find yourself in. Yeah, yeah. it's so far removed it's, from like the majority, also the majority of readers. Yes, yeah. and I didn't mention this in these previous podcasts, but one of the things that comes to mind is actually the Fast and Furious movies. Well, at the start of the Fast and Furious movies, they're like criminals and yeah. they're street racers. Yeah. And then they get up and then they're like, oh, I'm over here. And I'm, how do I get a car? Oh, we've got to get all these people. That person's got a broken car, but this person's a mechanic. And this person can paint it. We'll get together and there's a whole team of people. And we we spend like a week on a car. And at the end, the car we need. And as it goes through, they're like, well, how do we get this car? Well, and there's like the underdog. Car. The car is like yeah. literally the, nobody thinks this car is going to do yeah, any but, good. No, I'm just saying about how do they get their cars. Yeah. Yeah. It gets to the point where I think in the fifth movie, which is set in Rio de Janeiro, which is a very good movie it's like the best one of all of them the fifth yeah. movie they're like how are we going to get these cars and they take out the pink slips in other words you know you race a car and if you win you you own the other person's car yeah and they're like go and they go to the race meet and you don't see them winning the races they just come back with like five new cars and they're like we got the cars we needed and it's sort of like yeah great you're still having to at the end of that they're all billionaires and they're like we need some cars well I, i'll just go and buy a porsche i'll just go and buy a lamborghini i'll go and get this muscle car and yeah. you're like oh up until now how they up until the fifth movie how did they get the cars that they needed to do the capers and the Mm -hmm. japes and Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff that was always like a plot point and an interesting plot point how do we get the cars and it, by the time they get to the fifth movie, that wasn't interesting anymore. So it was like as a as a cutaway, like we're gonna get some we don't cars. Need to, we don't even need to mention yeah. those anymore. No, no, they mention it. They They're get like, cars. Let's get the pink slips. Let's go and get some cars. And they come back like we got the cars. And it's a joke. It's like a joke movement, but it's, yeah. it kind of signals like ah, that's the last time we ever need to do street racing. Yeah, because we don't need to do street racing for anything now. We're the highest privilege. Like we're we're the, we're the top of the totem pole. Yeah. We're all expert fighters we're all expert hackers we can all drive amazingly we've got all the money in the world and then the only thing that's left is like how do you defeat a tank with a car you know that's suddenly the problems and you're like ah in the first movie in the second movie in the third movie in the fourth movie in the fifth movie how do we get the car was an interesting problem until they're super powerful connected to spy agencies and have all the money that they need in the world 
and suddenly that problem's not interesting yeah. anymore. Privilege takes away problems. It, yeah, <laughs> privilege makes problem solving boring. That's the thing. It's not that I don't like privilege or I don't like rich people, but rich people problems have to be rich people problems. Yeah. There was actually another book by Lewis McMaster-Bajold called The Paladin of Souls or whatever the first book of that was. And it was so disappointing because there was a guy who turns up and he's like old, he's like old and he doesn't have any money and he's all whatever. And he comes to the castle and stuff like, oh, would you let me in? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is going to be about somebody who used to have, you know, you know, used to be skilled or whatever. And now he's injured and now he has to make his way back in the, and he has to work his way up and he's got to like find his place in mm. the world. And he turns up and he's sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm all poor and stuff like that. Uh, I'm actually a sir uh, and I'm nobility. And they're like, great, come in, have a house, have a room. Here's all the food you need. Here's some nicer clothes. And I'm like, all these poor people around here who are servants, they can't, like, if, if uh, all that you even, need to is do... That even, is that even, like, is that even provided proof? Like, is there, like, that, or they just believe... Oh, it's like you knew my uncle. Or I, I can't even remember what it was. Right. We It was a book that we tried listening to on the way to the Lublin Juggling Festival, the Lublin EJC, years ago. This is like five, six years ago. So yeah. I don't even remember what it was. Won the Hugo, or maybe not that book, but the next book <laughs> won the Hugo and Nebula Award. Oh and God. it's the boring, you're like, oh, rich people problems. It's like, yeah, rich people can have problems. Like, if the problem is, how do I deal with this much power and responsibility with great responsibility yeah. comes to, I, I need to look after this. Lots of people are looking after me. Like, um, you know, like rich people problems. Lord of the Rings is rich people problems. It's like, yeah, a king, an elf, thousand year old people, all of the people coming to the world. Rich people problems is, yeah, like devastating stuff going on over here, which is an analogy for, you know, rising fascism and, you know, second world war or whatever you want to do it. Yeah. It's possible to have powerful rich people going up against problems yeah. but that can't be what where do i get some clothes i'll call the, the i'll literally call the emperor of a space emperor and ask where he gets his clothes tailored and i'll go there and i'll have some fantastic clothes because i'll i'll literally call up my cousin who's yeah. the emperor yeah no it's not it's not boring anyway yeah. leave it there sorry not, to not finish fun. off with some for cozing and hating i mostly enjoyed most of those books you know hey you kept going back after until, yeah, because they were in the Audible yeah. Free Library. And um, they were good background listening. So now we have 25 lessons learned. 25 lessons learned. I think in the future, mm. there could be another 25 lessons okay. learned. I would suggest, I think 25 what? is a bit much. And we should I have, have stopped at 20, shouldn't we? I think we, we should have like, I don't know, it felt a bit rushed at some points. Uh Here's the thing. This is the compact lesson. Now, people, if they want to go back and listen to all the reviews of the books that I've mentioned so far. Yeah. You, you know, will you put the list I'm of just the books go in through the show some notes? Of these. Network effect. Some for the I'm going in reverse chronological order. Some, some for the wild built. Station 11. Mirror dance. All judgment fled. Phoenix extravagant. Didn't mention anything from that book. The postman. Pyrenezi. Ancestral night. Ancestral night. The last astronaut. Pyrenezi. The first time we talked about it. Project Hail Mary, Brother in Arms, In the Quick, The Space Between Worlds, Velocity Weapon, Inherit the Stars, The Vanished Birds, The Last Emperox, Deepness in the Sky, Blackfish City, Outland, Autonomous, Arrival, and Nancy Boys, Replay, All the Birds in the Sky, A Closed and Comet Orbit, and then Rogue One. Uh, we talked about the movie. I can't remember why. Right. Maybe something to do with, uh, you know, prequels or whatever. That's why I mentioned yes. it here. It, 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 um, it's always impressive. When you read something, you go so I, quick. People okay. will People not can, be able. It doesn't matter. This will be So that's somewhere. lessons learned from 30 episodes out of the last 100 episodes okay or, or out of 100 episodes that i could have listened to i listened to 30 and got 25 lessons out of them good i'm just saying this is a way that if you 
if you want to listen to these same lessons again longer in context yeah. but me taking longer to get through the points because it's me discovering or trying to expound on these lessons for the first time rather than having a more pithy way to get through like you say it's a bit rushed being rushed was the point if you want to hear me talk about these things in more depth go back and listen to some of these previous episodes i see okay and that's the episode lessons learned part one Okay. Lessons learned, one to 25 lessons. I don't know how <laughs> There might be it. more. <laughs> yeah. Lessons learned, the one to 25. Anyway, that's it. Okay, good. I think that was a fun episode and a fun conversation. It feels like me going back and listening to these previous episodes isn't just because I, I, I'm literally sick of podcasts. And as we to say, I'm sick of other people's podcasts that I, and I, <laughs> I'm finding it difficult to get enjoyment out of podcasts. And then I'm like, oh, I need to listen to a podcast. What podcast am I feeling most into right now? Me from My three own. years ago. <laughs> okay. You know, I know it's weird to say this, but it's sort of like, I, and, I'm, and I don't have an audio book to listen to at the moment because my brain, I don't know what it is. I can't find a new book to listen to. Yeah, it's so I, crazy. Sometimes I'm just happens. in this place. I'm like, I am so uninspired by yeah. every single option I ever look at. Mm. All of the books that I see on Goodreads, all of the books that are in my wish list on Goodreads and, and Audible, mm. all of the top books on Audible, all the new releases, every single one of them, I'm just sort of like, you know what? I just need to get back and read that third Peter F. Hamilton Night's Dawn trilogy book. And yeah, sometimes I should that, do that. Sometimes probably the next you come be. to next that one. point and then you either need to go on a break from reading until you have the urge, yeah. oh, I really want to read this again. This really tickles my interest. Yeah. And that happens. Yeah. And there's nothing bad. And I don't know, but no author is challenging me enough to be like, like at the moment literally like i'm i'm actually i'm listening to an audiobook again i'm listening i'm re-listening to um uh, homer's odyssey uh, right. emily wilson translation <laughs> and you know what that is perfect for falling asleep too because it's very rhythmic yeah it's very poetic it's yeah. really good and i've known the story and i don't need to pay that much attention mm -hmm. to it because a lot of it is... anyway great thing to fall asleep to but literally all of the science fiction in the world at the moment is like lower on my rank of books to read than a than a previous Peter F. Hamilton book that I've read before and whatever the next Adrian Tchaikovsky book that I'm going to get to. Yeah. That's literally it. I'm just sort of like, all right, just bring on the next Peter F. Hamilton, Adrian Tchaikovsky. And I'm like, oh, I'm just comfort reading. Like there's nothing there. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I need some suggestions for like a really good, a good but fun, challenging book. Those three points yeah. has to impact me intellectually, emotionally, or just be a lot of fun. Yes. And also not have any massive flaws. I'm looking for my next five-star author, but everything else I start reading, I'm like, ah, oh, it's comfort. Missing the mark. It's it's squishy, warm hug or tall wave, squeak or like modern stuff. And I'm just like, no, I'm just not, I'm, it's, I'm not there right now. Yeah. Not there right now. Yeah. So this is a good filler episode because it's probably going to be another three weeks before we get to the next podcast. Which I, is also difficult because we are going to be on holiday yeah, and not away. And uh, I mean, it might be that we get to actually then read and listen to stuff. Yeah. But then it will be after the holidays that we get to actually recording anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I and I literally haven't. I It's not that I have not started the next book I'm reading. Don't even know what it's going to be. Yeah. And if it is, it's probably going to be the final Night's Dawn trilogy book. And that's a big, chunky book. You know, that's like a 40-hour yeah, audio book or whatever. stuff. All um, right. So, yeah, the last episode was on the 15th. It's now the 23rd. It could be the 20... Honestly, it could be the 23rd of next month by the time the next podcast comes out. But it's the summer. We've got plans. Yes. That's it from us. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>